All right, Yosh, so my ranking for Wages of Fear is an 8.3. Solid. An 8.3 from Chris. Jackson 7 is going to... Jackson 7, there we go. Jackson (laughs) 7. 8.5. The man himself. That's great. Aaron. Woo. And Yosh. Controversial. Be controversial. 8.7. Bordering on Masterpiece. (laughs) It truly is. A a round of applause for that film. A round of applause. Very much so. Yeah. What a... 8.4. 8.4. It's a pretty good score. 8.4. Bam. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Paul, thank you for bringing this film into the catalog. You're welcome. Um, I very much enjoyed it, and it's very good timing considering we watched The Treasure of the Sierra Madre Mm -hmm. on our last show. And um, I will just open by saying that this is an adventure film. Yes. This is good. And I'm a little uh, surprised because Paul ranked uh, The Treasure at 9.2, and he only gave this one an 8.5. Aaron ranked Treasure at 8.5, and he gave this one a, what was it, an 8.0? 8.0. 8. Yeah, I, like, I like Treasure better. Okay, so you both like Treasure yeah, better. I kind of liked it a little better, yeah. I, it's funny, I knew you were going to bring it up, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, but, I, but, it, but this is really, for me, this is like that, in that 8.4 to 8.7, um, and he does, he, Clouseau, the director, does a lot of really fun and innovative things that have certainly influenced the remakes of this movie. Um, William Friedkin did uh, Sorcerer, an updated version of this. Um, but yeah, like Aaron, I, uh, there was something about The Treasure of the Sierra Madre that really grabbed me. And interestingly, when I was asked to pick a movie, I said, all right, I've just watched The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I remember when I first watched The Wages of Fear, how spellbound I was. Let me just, let's try it for the following, uh, our following session. And I was like, you're going to get grilled about your ranking, you know, vis-a-vis The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. But I uh, still sick by The Treasure. It was good. But Wages of Fear, one of my all-time favorites, for sure. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, to each his own. I, I just felt like this film was so much more nuanced, so much more character development, there was just so much going on, so many ideas percolating in my head as to what it was about. I maybe understand that The Treasure of the Sierra Madre is just more enjoyable, perhaps, to some people. Um, for me, like, even, I mean, Aaron really tooted home uh, the, the acting in Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I mean, the acting in this movie was unbelievable. I mean, oh. really, really good performances from people representing countries from all over the world. I mean... So many different countries at play here. Uh, our, our main characters were respectively German, Italian, and French, uh, two of them being French. Um, I want to open up by talking about the opening sequence. Actually, before I do that, Chris, mm-hmm. let's, 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 finish, let's, let's finish this treasure versus wages comparison off. You and I both enjoyed this film much more, apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. what, 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 is your, what are your thoughts on, on the comparisons between the two? I... So, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, for me, felt like a very kind of old-school Hollywood-like, and then we're going we're gonna to do this, and then they're going to, you know, you can kind of see how it plays out. You can kind of map it on a, on a map on a, or a screenplay. Yes. This, I did not know what was going to happen, yeah. and the, the idea that this was a pure and simple thriller about a truck really just resonated with me because like you really get into like the thought of movement and like what you can do and 
even the most like benign thing is going to hurt you in this world, which really sold it for me. I, I haven't read this anywhere, but I imagine Polanski saw this film at some point in his life because the play of tension in this throughout this entire film is 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 unbelievable. I mean, there's nothing cheap about it. There's no cheap shots, but it's like there must have been ten moments where when along the along the journey we were like, oh, this is when he gets blown up, or this is yeah. when he's gonna die, and then it just never happens to the point where that happens so many times where I was like, wow, he really just wants us to think that this is gonna end badly for everyone, but it's gonna be a very happy ending. And then of course, just when I accept that, uh, our friends Luigi and and the German fellow blow. Uh, up bimba (laughs) that moment it's still every time i see it i forget it's coming and it gets me every time you're putting together and just these moments of the wind you're here one moment and And then a flash flash gone and how many times have we all said oh i'll see you tomorrow see you tomorrow guys i'll see you tomorrow and then you get the tragic news it's like no you're not going to see him tomorrow it's just uh the editing and pacing for that time i mean from the very jump, I felt like within the 30, first 30 minutes, I already knew the environment and the characters very well. It's like I had watched two hours of film, but I was th- 30 minutes in. Uh, the pacing of this film was, was so impressive to me, and the editing, especially in that moment where, like you said, he's rolling the, rolling the doobie, and, and all we see is a blow away, and we have that second to think, like, what does that mean? What does that mean that it blew away? And then the his... Flash. The yeah. flash too, because how are you gonna how are you gonna do explosions without CGI back then? And I couldn't imagine them doing it any better than they did. Yeah, no, it's it's remarkable. I mean, you see, it has. Uh, it's funny because uh, often we have these discussions, and then afterwards, I start to move off of numbers. You know, the effect you had Yoshi last week on me with Gods Must Be Crazy, how you and Chris looked at it, really moved me off. And I also realized that maybe I was in a place where. You know, given where we're at with BLM and some other things, maybe my head was in a different place. But I, the, when you opened this with this is an adventure, this truly is an adventure, I feel like I was a little kid uh, reading a comic book and I'm watching this play yes. out and it just felt like panels after panel after panel after panel. I was like, wow, this is great. What's next? And it just has everything in it. If you're looking for the leading man who's good looking, who's got his shirt off, it's like there's Yves Montan. And that image of him when they're backing up on the makeshift ramp and then he's got to go down and check something and he leaps into the camera. And that moment, I've seen Clint Eastwood do that as Harry Callahan. I mean, it's just such a great moment. And it it just, and, and then I think it's interesting because the point you just made, Yoshi, is maybe where, having seen it a few times, I was like, it maybe seemed plodding in the beginning, just the setup and maybe where, because once we are on that truck and we are moving towards the Oral Derrick, I am, it, it gets me every time. Small screen, big screen, I'm like, this is an adventure and I'm, it's a thrill ride, you know. Yeah, I I, I want to say like the the intro is really what drove this score down for me. I could not gain traction. My <laughs> pun intended. I could not gain traction on the the intro of this movie, and I wish it just had a different beginning. Um, oh man, I can I can fight you on that right now. I think. Okay, well, go. What about the intro? Did you not like? And then I'll tell you what I think is so genius about it. It was too long. I, 
It, it just was... It, when you're no. saying intro, clarify, do you mean like introducing the characters or do you literally mean the very first few shots? No, no, not the f- first few shots. Everything leading up to them getting in the truck. Or actually, I like the meeting of them applying to be a truck driver. From <laughs> that moment before, I was having trouble with the film. I, I, it just felt weird. There were all these like scenes with the girl. I, I assume she was a prostitute. In the the restaurant. Uh, wow, Aaron. Wow. No, she was. She was. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I think it's not. It's I not mean, unfair for you to assume. That I mean, the way she's yeah. treated, the way women are treated in this film, is is rather disgusting. Like a sex slave to this guy, to this this yeah. owner. She was a slave. She okay. was. Certain, I mean, she wasn't really a slave, but she was treated like a slave. I would say. Yeah. I, just her acting and stuff felt over the top, and just yes, the, very over the top. The, the the scenes like she's the wife of the director by the way so she might have been given a little leniency uh, yeah that's yeah. unfortunate she was a yoko ono in this but, in but the- those eyes those expressive eyes will play out later when we're all watching diablo league so they are very yeah but i heard it took movie. about a hundred takes to get those eyes so yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so, okay also like in the uh, restaurant bar area they have this confrontation scene and that seemed very like overdone. And I'm like, what is this all about? So I was having trouble grasp- grasping the meaning of this whole confrontation. Different languages, kind of like a gang feel, territorial. But I was like, why do we care about this? And then looking hindsight after the movie's over, I'm like, why did they start with all that? Like, it should have been a more intimate start to the movie with the two main characters, the... Um, the Vez. Mario and Joe. Yeah, Mario and Joe. I wanted like a more intimate start with them, but it seemed like they kept throwing in all these different. I don't know. It seemed to me like the the story with Joe and Mario picked up relatively quickly. I mean, Joe came to town within the first twenty minutes of the film. I think that intro that you're referring to was used to establish the sort of general malaise of this town as a place where people end up when they are aimless or or have sort of or or maybe are fleeing their past lives maybe because of criminal charges or what have you they've just for whatever reason ended up in the south american town where people go when they are aimless and can maybe survive very cheaply because at the core of their uh, beings, they're kind of uh, lazy or don't have responsibility. It seems like they're all just sort of there waiting for jobs to come to them, right? It, it, that's kind of the feeling I got. I, I thought they, I had the opposite impression of you. I, I felt like <clears throat> that the pacing was just so well done that I was into it from the jump. And uh, I understood what they were doing by by sort of showing this cafe to be the the where all this drama was going to unfold. Let me take you guys to the very opening shot. Um, <clears throat> and then we can talk about that a little bit. The opening sequence is, uh, you know, in this dismal village where unemployed men are fighting for jobs, similar to John Houston's Treasure of the Sierra Madre, all the way down to the, the detail of visiting the local barber. I mean, there, there's a lot of similarities going on here. But the very first shots are... Um, the, the kid playing with the cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Did anyone pick up on that? I mean, that was yeah. really gross. The kid is poking, is prodding the cockroaches with a stick. I mean, we, first we only see the cockroaches being prodded. We don't know what the source is. And then we pull back to see it's just this little kid with his dick out, fucking hanging out 
poking these cockroaches. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought of Aaron because I thought of El Topo, and I was like, oh, Aaron's going to hate this movie. It's a naked kid. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I, did, I didn't mind it. I'm, I'm, I'm just playing. But the cockroaches are being prodded, and then we see this kid, and he starts to – I forget it was ice cream or something passing him by, and he starts to maybe fantasize about buying the ice cream, but he can't. And then he goes to play with the cockroaches again, but a bird's gotten to, to the cockroaches. And so for me – I didn't place it right away, obviously, but in reflection and then reading about the film, I sort of realized that this is kind of a as above, so below fractal thing going on where we are all, I mean, maybe in the views of the pessimistic director who had, it was, this movie was completely void of comedy and, and it had a very pessimistic ending, which we'll get to, but perhaps uh, this is our director saying like, we put so much drama and emphasis into into these lives when really we're just the playthings of some alien force that we cannot really comprehend, just like a cockroach is the plaything of humans. And we are all really, when it comes down to it, cockroaches looking out for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. see, that's excellent. And that flew through me. I mean, I was just watching it and not interpreting it in the moment. Like, I love all that explanation, and I'm sure if I revisit, it'll have that impact. But as a first-time viewer, it felt like... Dragged on a bit. Yeah, it just was... It had no meaning to me. I had no connection to the guys until they had that, you know, entrance into, like, okay, who's going to drive? How are we, you know... All the guys are, like, tampering with who's driving and, like, throwing shirts and shit, trying to, like, mess them up. So... Aaron, you gave it an eight. So, I mean, what what are some of the positives you took away from the film? I mean, clearly you liked it a bit, right? Oh, I mean, the oh, man, just the 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 pit scene. The pit scene was oh. incredible. Just the commitment as an actor. I mean, we're all actors here. Now, put yourself in that place. You've got a tar pit, and we want you to fully commit. You're going to dive through this tar pit. You're going to get mud or whatever it was all it was over oil. you. Yeah, or oil. I don't know what they actually use for the film. But just the commitment to these shots and like, I mean, they were just so in it. They were so into the seam of reality of this movie. And like that, those moments in there are just like, wow, this is amazing. This is like really good cinematography. This is good film. Yeah, you're referring to um, Joe. Uh, Joe. Getting run over at this point, our our main character Mario yeah. is is so far gone, much like Humphrey Bogart in Treasure of the Sierra Madre or Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. We have a we have these four characters who have essentially valued them valued valued their lives at two thousand dollars. By the way, I mean they are so desperate um, in this little town that they have valued their lives at two thousand dollars. And eventually Mario uh, gets to the point where he's too far in to look back and he's willing to run over his best, his newest, bestest friend Joe's fellow countryman's leg uh, just to ensure that this quest is completed. Chris, what was your interpretation of the themes of this movie? What is our director, uh, excuse me, Henri-Georges Clazon saying? 
I think it's just, I think it's exactly what you said. I think it's, it's the, the willingness of people to kind of go for what they want to do and what they deem as important. Like specifically in the pit scene, first I was take, I want to take a step back. Like, I think it's the first time in, in this kind of area where, yeah, we see a character die, but we do not see the aftermath of that death. I was not expecting to go down into the crater they left. And they even commented on it. It's like, oh, it looks like they flew off. Yeah, because there's pieces of Luigi and, and Rima <laughs> everywhere around there. <laughs> like, they are done. Like, there was not even, like, wreckage. They were just vaporized. And I think it was just, I think that scene really kind of sold it for me. He was, he, like, literally, he told him, he goes, you're going to need to get out of the way. Because if I stop, we're not going to be able to get out. And he doesn't even make a choice. He doesn't stop. I mean, they, 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 the cut to the, the, the foot shows him just pushing it even more down. He does not care. And like, he's not even phased when he gets, yeah, he's exhausted when he gets to the, the oil derrick, but like, he's so happy to have his $4,000 because he, he gets his cut because they're all dead. Yeah. Well, I suppose I suppose we shouldn't hide hide from the audience what happens after that at this point. Let's let's go on. I mean, he gets his money, he gets his payout. We flash to the town who are all celebrating uh for some reason they don't care about anyone's death except but they're happy that Mario's coming back. Uh as I mean, I guess they're assuming he's going to share his wealth maybe. Mm-hmm. Um but of course, we get the ultra cynical ending of uh, the cutting back and forth between the town dancing to the song and Mario driving the truck left and right in celebration. And we all saw it coming, right? The windy road. And uh, like a fucking moron, he drives the truck off the cliff. And then we what just get, we get a it? classic fin. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, life is meaningless. Uh, life is uh, meaningless. I, what does existentialism mean? Yeah, I yeah, don't no, give a shit. <laughs> Honestly, like if they were going to end the movie with him dying, I wanted him to sprint into the flames of the the you know the yeah. oil rig it's, going yeah, off because he started running towards it. And I was like, okay, it's going to end with him like a suicide. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, essentially. Yeah, but this this man was so far past. Uh, caring about anything but himself as evidenced by the fact that he denied the chauffeur they were willing to drive him back because you you can sleep man hey and he's like no fuck you i can take it then he's like la 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 la, and he drives off cliff what does this mean on a on a deeper level is it that no matter how much you try to control this thing eventually you are going to die like hubris you're trying to control this vehicle and Hey, it's- well, maybe it's perhaps, well, he wasn't controlling it. That's actually a great point, Aaron. I think you just nailed it on the head, maybe inadvertently, but he's driving left and right. He's not, he's driving recklessly and maybe life is the road and the truck is the meat vehicle that you're, that you're using to the apparatus you're using to navigate the roads and, and his choice instead of being responsible and staying in his lane is to live life on the edge and 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 not have any respect for for the world the road in this metaphor and to drive all over it and um and to be arrogant and cocky and and that is a one-way street off a cliff apparently yeah i'm yeah we, it, it, this is for an American audience, this is uh, this was the French equivalent of a Western. You know, you have people on this border town, and uh, uh, 
looking for opportunity and what does the opportunity look like? This is, they don't get a dress rehearsal. It's like, uh, you know, in the Western, it's like, well, <clears throat> I can contract you to go kill these bad men. Okay, great. I need you to protect this town from outlaws. Okay. Uh, they have no, they don't know what it's like. We get a, presumably, like you said earlier, you know, Charles Vanell's Joe character comes to town. He's what, a con man or he's in, you know, out of sorts with the law. Uh, he's here to escape that. What are the rest of them doing there? Is this the final frontier for a lot of them? They're not going to. They're not going to take the risk. But certainly, obviously, they had to audition to become truck drivers and passed. Had enough native skill to drive this truck. Had the courage to do this. Um, but again, it's what happens when they're doing it, and this is where they don't have uh, you know a comparative in their own lives. This, this is something wild and exciting, and it's. Uh, and it puts them and us, the viewer, on the edge. And I think it's, uh, you know, and then we get an ending like that where you're just like, yes, ultra cynical is well put. You know, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Aaron. Okay, I want to say something about the title of this, you know, The Wages of Fear. Mm -hmm. the, something I do love about this film is they really captured what that emotion is, that feeling of fear just looming, tension. I mean, you know, just in the, you know, the, the dock, not the dock. What is that? Like a wooden um, extension deck, I guess, that was yeah, holding yeah. the car, you know, just like the cables. And it's mm -hmm. just about to pop. And like, you just feel that tension and it's build, yeah, that's building. That's why I chose that scene. Even with the car, you know, rolling up the mud, like we get, <laughs> we get the shot of just the tire. Oh, and it slips back, you know, and then, uh yeah, it's like these moments that just increase tension and tension. I mean, this was like a masterclass in how to build tension. You know, Simply. this is the ticking time bomb again. Yeah. yeah, it seems to me that these characters, again, like had zero sort of respect for their lives. I mean, even the German talks about, he seemed to care more about his presentation in death than he did about just being alive. I mean, shaving and telling the story about how his dad used to, uh, what was it? He would shower uh, before, what before was it? Before his dad was hung, he, saw, he said, son, yes. shower. So, so to be presentable and respectable in death. But yet, here he is so quickly being willing to blow up this rock uh, and being willing to potentially die in, in that moment, or, or just generally speaking, the four of them being willing to do this job. Um, is this more of a commentary on how brutal life is and how it forces you into these circumstances? Or is it more a, a lack of responsibility for your life will only lead you to drastic measure, measures such as this? Perhaps a bit of a both. A bit of both. I, I mean, I think uh, I don't know what opportunities they were looking for. We obviously caught what was the most significant opportunity for them. And it seemed to have a little bit of both um, men finding their limits, wanting to prove to other men, just, uh -huh. uh, you know, and uh, so that what, you know, certainly adrenalizes this movie because, mm. you know, you're, you're portraying what the one lone female speaking part is now, you know, a little dog next to her master uh, getting kicked or slapped and um, really diminished in the early part of this movie. And then. Yeah, just these men, men on the edge, just uh, uh, dogs, you know. Perhaps uh, we were asking maybe what the purpose of the Linda character even was. And perhaps, I mean, there was plenty of scenes of Mario sort of ignoring her or berating her. 
even though she clearly had unconditional sort of love for him for whatever reason, perhaps the idea there is that, you know, all these men have sort of noble ideas of who they are, especially like Joe, he walks into town as if he's like a multimillionaire and he's got zero fucking dollars in his wallet. And so they all have these fantastical ideas of who their character is. You know, they have one nice suit and wear it every day so they can maintain their status in the town. And it's like, perhaps the purpose of the Linda character is to sort of further explore that these men ignore the value of their current lives for the potential of this mythical, idealized life that is really just a fantasy that they have in their head. But really, if they were just to stop and smell the roses, they're in a, they're in a town of nice people who just want to dance next to a jukebox and have a good time, and this girl loves you. And like, so be careful not to ignore what's right in front of you for the pursuit of something that might blow you to pieces, I, I suppose, is, is an idea. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> an idea Solid sure. hey is Mario and Luigi based off this film because we had what? a Mario and a Luigi uh, no it is not I figured you would ask that I figured you would ask that Chris would know it's uh, not it is not Mario how do you know they never saw this movie because I they they look I looked it up okay so the the character of Mario is actually based off of uh, Nintendo America's uh, landlord whose name is Mario Piscali, I think, but he was an actual Italian-American who just happened to be the landlord of the Nintendo building, and they, they paid homage to him because when they were late on rent, he's like, don't worry about it, and then they posit, Mario. They posit that Mario and Luigi was actually based off of Mario and Luigi's Pizza in Redmond, Washington, where the offices were, and the word Luigi, there is a Japanese word, Ruigi? which means similar, because Luigi was just a palette swap of Mario. Uh-huh. So all these theories, but the truth has finally been revealed. Wages of fear is the origins of Nintendo's Mario and Luigi. Oh That's the mask uh, when you upload this to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> That's the clip. That's you think those, uh, those shots of, I mean, those fires were real, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Those were enormous fires. I took appreciation just in that, like what kind of special effects, how, what did they have to go through to get those blazing, pluming fires coming out? Honestly, they probably lit up an oil derrick. Yeah. yeah. Probably. It was, it was towering. It was huge. Yeah, was like that so shot of him like walking in front of it, mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even just the truck falling off the cliff, like oh. very, very practical, real, yeah. uh, shots in this film that that were really cool i mean I, I they only obviously only had one take to do that truck and the way it fell was really cool it was like a very sort of long rolling odd fall um any uh closing remarks from you guys i will say that uh a little foreshadowing for our next film and conversation lots of conversations in cars and vehicles yep. this month. yeah yeah uh which is sort of just a, a way to just simplify cinema and focus on the dialogue, which we got a lot of this month. Um, really excited to see Diabolic, uh, which is also in our catalog from the same director. Mm -hmm. Any closing remarks from you guys? I'm looking at the box office. It said it only made $1,100. No, this was a huge hit in France. Massive okay. hit. Yeah. This was this was his first his first hit actually. It says worldwide gross. Is that adjusted for inflation though? 
Probably not. Well, even yeah. if it was, that's nothing, right? Eleven hundred dollars for f- nineteen fifty-three. Eleven hundred dollars. That's one thousand dollars and one thousand one hundred dollars. I wonder how much they spent on this movie. Oh, I'm thinking eleven thousand. Thousand, right? No, this was one thousand ninety-eight dollars worldwide gross. I don't know if that's accurate or how wow. much money they put into this film. I don't believe that at all. We'll have to look into that because I, I saw on, on a little Criterion documentary about it that uh, it was a massive hit in Paris and yeah. in, in France. <laughs>